0: That's ljsinnercircle.com, or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. This is the Learn Jazz Standards Podcast, episode 82. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. What's up, everybody? My name is Brent. I am the jazz musician behind the website LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog and a podcast all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. I'm super excited to be here today, and I want to welcome back all of our regular listeners. You are the people that keep this thing going, and also welcome to our brand new listeners and our international community listening around the world. Now, today, I'm super excited for today's episode because I have a special guest on the show. Uh, In September, we were doing Ear Training Month, so it's been a while since we've had uh, a guest on and so today's guest is a special guest. He is the founder of the music education website MusicalU.com. His name is Christopher Sutton and he's going to unload a ton of valuable information on you today. On today's episode 82, I am talking with him all about how to set game-changing goals for your musicianship. Now, this is an episode you're not going to want to miss. You're going to want to listen to this to the very end because when it comes to becoming a better jazz musician, there is nothing better you can do than set goals, than make a plan for your success. And and Christopher really breaks down the process for us today and gives us very actionable things that we can do today to start improving our musicianship. Now, Christopher, he's not a jazz musician. Uh, that's not his field of of study per se. But he has a lot of value for all musicians today, and you're going to really get a lot out of this. Now, I said that he is the founder of the music the music education website musical dash you dot and what they're all about is. Uh, they're a website and a community dedicated to helping people become more musical. They're, they're a training resource, they're a supportive community, and they just are have a really great thing going on there. So be sure to check them out. But in particular, he has a new podcast called The Musicality Podcast. Podcast. It's an awesome podcast where he gets uh, great music educators uh, from around the world. I'm going to be featured on his show uh, pretty soon here, and just interviews them and asks them how to become a better musician in general and share stories. So be sure to check that out. He also has a really great handout today. He in the show he talks about the the magic process for setting goals, and that's an acronym there. It's M-A-G-I-C, and he goes through that. So he has a great training series for you that you can check out, and he set it up just for Learn Jazz Standards podcast listeners. So you can check that out at musicalitypodcast.com forward slash L-J-S. Now, one last little bit of business before we get Christopher on for this interview I'm really excited because on October 5th, that's this Thursday, if you're listening in the present time, and if you're listening from the future, 2017, we are launching a brand new ear training course, How to Play What You Hear. I'm so excited about this course. You've been hearing me talk a lot about it during ear training month, but just a reminder that it's launching on October 5th, this Thursday, so be sure to check that out when that comes out at howtoplaywhatyouhear.com. Okay. Okay let's jump into today's show. All right. Welcoming onto the show is Christopher Sutton, the founder of Musical You. Thanks so much for being here today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. So a lot of my audience, they might not know who you are. And and so just give me like the, the two minute Christopher Sutton bio, what you're all
1: about, what you do. Sure. Um, So I'm in my early 30s. I'm originally from London, and I have a wife and a young daughter. Um, I've always been a lifelong amateur musician. Music has always been my passion. But I discovered far too late in my musical journey that there was this whole world of inner skills you could learn in music. You know, I'd been totally focused on instrument technique and discovered this thing called ear training very late. And that led to kind of a, a passion project turning into starting a company and leading on to um, now, when I run the company Musical U, where we help other people to learn these inner skills that can let you play by ear or improvise or feel creative and free in music.
0: That's so cool. And so, to talk a little bit about Musical U itself. Like, what is the platform? And you, you explained a little bit what it's all about, but a little more in depth what is the platform and how do you
1: deliver your content? Sure. So um, for a bit of context, I suppose, we started out as a company making iPhone apps and eBooks and training albums that would help people learn, for example, interval recognition or how to recognize chords and play songs by ear, how to improvise. But what we found was that these individual products, while they helped people learn one particular skill, they kind of missed out on the big picture of helping people figure out where they were going and fit all of these skills together and actually make use of them in their musical life. So in 2015, we kind of bundled everything together into an all-in-one training platform. That's the website musical-u.com with the letter U. And the idea is it's one place where you can go and develop all of these musicality skills that let you feel more like a natural musician through doing training on the website.
0: That's super awesome. And, and so I know that obviously my audience, they're, they're mainly jazz musicians listening or, or people that want to learn jazz and people that are interested in the music. And I, I don't think you, you wouldn't describe yourself like as a, a focused in jazz, but um, I'm really curious to hear what your musical beginnings are, how you got started, how
1: do you get to where you are right now as a, as a musician? Sure. So that's definitely fair. I wouldn't say I'm a jazz specialist. Um, I started out very early, I guess, in my school days at the age of six or seven, lugging a big cello around at school. And from there, I learned clarinet and saxophone and guitar and piano. And I was singing a lot in the church choir and barbershop groups. So my school life was very heavily musical. And I carried that into university, uh, learned bass guitar and blues harmonica. And from the outside, I think you'd say I was a very musical person. Certainly the other guys in my class who looked at me carrying four instruments in in the morning thought I was the musical one. (laughs) But I, I always felt pretty guilty about it, to be honest, because there were a handful of people at school and at university where I could look at them and they could just play anything they heard and they could improvise. And I felt like they were actual musicians and I was just getting good at playing instruments. And so I... I loved music and I stuck with it and I learned a lot and I got, I mean, from the outside, I got good. You know, I could pass the exams, I could play in an orchestra or a wind band or sing in a choir, but I, I really felt limited in music. And certainly the world of jazz would have felt way out of my league just because I knew how important a good ear was and improvisation ability was in that world.
0: Right. Well, I mean, that's, it's great to hear your story. Great to understand your background and where you're coming from. And I think coming from your story, if we can make a little transition into what we're here to talk about today, which is something that I believe is one of the most important things any kind of musician uh, can do for their progress for for getting better which is setting goals and I want and I'm excited to talk to you about that because obviously this ties in with your story about how you you know came from this place of of seeing others excelling at music and you were playing instruments and learning instruments and and how you went from point A to point B and so it's going to be exciting for me to talk about this day and pick your brain uh, about setting goals and um, the first thing I, I, th- I think a great place to start is just simply by asking you, you know, what's a time in your musical journey that you've been describing where you set goals for yourself and, and how did that impact you and your musicianship?
1: Well, it's wonderful to hear you think it's such an important skill because I think it is one that a lot of musicians overlook. And you're absolutely right that for me, it was a core part of, I guess, my transformation as a musician. It wasn't just discovering ear training and realizing there were all these skills I was missing out on. It was really moving from that kind of school mentality where someone says, here is the syllabus, here is the exam, go at it, to something where you have to look around and decide for yourself what's important. And, you know, if you want to make any progress, you actually need to think through some goal setting and planning. And when you haven't done it before, that seems really boring. And, you know, it can seem very academic. But as you well would know, Brett, it's so vital if you want to actually see the results. Sure, um, Absolutely. So for me, I suppose it was when I was getting to university and I was starting to kind of take responsibility, I guess, for my own music learning. And I don't know when that happened for you, Brent, but for me, I felt like it was very late in coming because I had I'd been blessed with that great music at school and wonderful teachers. But the blessing was also a curse because I hadn't had to take responsibility and I could just put myself in their hands and they'd get me through what I was meant to be learning. But when I got to university, I had to decide what instrument to learn and I had to decide how to teach myself or get a teacher or what to work towards and I was sick of exams so I didn't want to follow a syllabus. And so I suppose one good example would be I decided I wanted to learn slap bass and I guess this was early to mid-20s. And I dabbled a bit on bass guitar, so I kind of had the basics, and I had been a guitar player, so I, you know, the fretboard wasn't unfamiliar. But slap bass, I'd always loved the sound of, and I kind of loved that funky riff you could get going when you had the slap sure. technique. And I read a book, I don't know if you're familiar with it, called The First 20 Hours. Uh, by I'm
0: not familiar with that one. Okay,
1: it's by a guy called Josh Kaufman, and he did a great TED Talk, too. And oh, good. I, I'm a
0: big book reader, so I'll, I'll be totally diving into that.
1: Okay. i writing that down. <laughs> nice. Check that out. Um, but the, the concept and where the title comes from is that his idea is it's not about the 10,000 hours that you put in to become the best in the world. Actually, if you want to just get pretty good at something, he says 20 hours of the right kind of training can pretty much get you there. So for me, I wanted to get pretty good at slap bass. I wasn't going to try and become, you know, the next Victor Wooten or something that would wow the world. I just wanted to be able to sit at home and play slap. So what's interesting is in the book, he kind of makes the point that 20 hours is enough if you spend them right. And so it's really, it's something that gels well with how we teach goal setting and planning at U, which is the idea that you can work smarter, not just harder. And if you apply a bit of thought to what you're learning and how you're learning it, you can get to your goals a lot quicker than if you just kind of blunder along with a vague idea of what you want to learn. So with slap bass, it was a matter of kind of breaking it down into the core skills of slap technique. Then I found an app that had exercises for each of those skills, and I kind of set myself a two-month target and Split the 20 hours, I guess, across two months. It was about 20 minutes a day. And I just said, I'm going to do my 20 minutes a day. It's just going to be slap technique. I'm not going to get distracted by learning all these riffs and songs and other bass stuff. I'm not going to get distracted off bass onto another instrument that's lying around. I'm going to put in my 20 minutes a day and power through it. And it worked. You know, putting in that time to set the goal, get clear on why I was doing it and what I was going to do, and having a clear plan for how those 20 hours or those two months were going to go meant I actually after two months I could play good slap bass and that for me was a, a big breakthrough I think just because I I had wandered around a lot between the school where and school and university where I had been handed what to do and the kind of finally figuring out goal setting and planning there was a a few years there where I was just kind of meandering along and I enjoyed music but I didn't really make any progress
0: that 's a great story i one thing that I picked out of when you were talking was and, and we 're going to talk about in a second you know maybe some steps. where do we start when we 're talking about goal setting because that's that 's really important is how do we set ourselves up for success with our goals? but one thing I picked out of your story was consistency. It sounds like you once you had set your goal, you were being consistent with actually executing it, which i, I is really something that I see personally a lot of musicians, um, whether uh, in my audience from Learn Jazz Standards or whether students I've taught, have a struggle with, would you say that, how important would you say consistency is once you've actually set those goals?
1: It's really powerful. I think it's a slightly subtle one though. And, you know, one of the major mistakes people make with goal setting and planning is the follow through. Like they come up with a good goal, they come up with a good plan, but then they don't actually follow through on it. And there's a couple of things that can cause that, but one of them is being inconsistent and not keeping up the habit. The subtlety is, it is super powerful to have, for example, a 20 minutes a day routine that you're going to do every day and keep that streak going. But the catch is, that only works well if you're on the right course. You know, there's no point plodding forwards in the wrong direction, and there's no point bashing your head against a wall consistently if you're not actually getting anywhere. And so, you know, one of the other major issues that people have or major major challenges they have with follow through is that they don't have any support or any outside help that can, you know, get them past those hurdles or sticking points. And so it's really that combination of support and consistency that can help keep you moving forwards towards your goal.
0: Okay, that's great information. So let's start from the, the very beginning. When we're you know, we have some idea of what we want to become as a musician. And I, hopefully I'm not stealing away from what you're about to say, but we want to set a goal. We want to reach this certain point. And I know a lot of my audience listening right now, I mean, they're listening and they're hungry to become better jazz musicians, better musicians in general. Like, I mean, they're, they want to know, how do we do this? Like Christopher, how do we do this? How do we, how do I get from point A to point B? Cause I've tried so many times and I end up failing. So where do we start? with our goal setting? How do we set this up for success?
1: Sure, so I think a helpful framework for thinking about it is in terms of goals, plans, and follow through. Because all three of those are critical. You know, If you've got a bad goal or too many goals or the wrong goal, you're not gonna get any progress. If you have good goals but you don't really make a plan or you don't um, get clarity around that plan, you're not gonna get anywhere. And if you have great goals and a great plan but you don't actually follow through on that plan, you're not gonna get anywhere. So you really do need to think about those three things. It's not just a matter of setting a good goal, but certainly goals are where it starts. And Can you name
0: the, can you name the three things again? Just uh, one Sorry, one more time sure. Just
1: to- so goals, which is your outcome, your target, where you're trying to get to. The second would be planning. How are you going to actually get to that goal? What are you going to be doing to help you achieve that target? And the third is follow through. What's, what are you going to do to make sure you actually follow through on that plan day by day, week by week, month by month? Awesome, awesome.
0: Okay, yeah, sure.
1: So I love that you talked there about the kind of musician you want to become um because that really is where we start with a musical you and before we start talking about, you know, your 2-month target or your 6-week goal, it's really valuable to take even just 10 minutes and I I suspect if your audience is anything like ours and all of the musicians I've known, you've probably never done this. Um, But if you take 10 minutes and you ask yourself, what is it you actually want to accomplish in music? And for me, I like a a five-year timeline, because that's close enough to be tangible, but it's far enough that you don't get caught up in the nitty-gritty of, oh, can I actually do that, or what will it take? So if you imagine yourself, say, five years in the future, and everything has magically gone perfectly with your musical training... What does that look like? You know, how is your musical life different? What things are you able to do then that you're maybe not able to do now? And what does it feel like to have that perfect five-year success? And at Musical U, we call that your big picture vision. It's just a really clear description. It's maybe a couple of paragraphs long. So not just a sentence, not a few words, not 10 pages, unless you really want to write a lot. But, you know, a few paragraphs that really capture what it would mean to be totally successful in your musical life. Okay, so you said
0: sorry, I am so sorry to interrupt you. No, not at all. So I heard you say some magic words though, and I just want to make sure, like, make that clear. So you're when you're writing down these big this big picture goal, I mean, I just said it myself. You're writing it down, right? You're not just like thinking about it, you're actually writing it down. And where 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 do you write that down?
1: It's Wherever is most useful to you, you know, you're definitely right to highlight that point, because it's not about setting this in stone and saying, I'm committed to this, I am never going to change my idea of what I want to become. But it brings such clarity to have to put words down on paper versus just, you know, sitting on the train and daydreaming about the future. So having a clear and concise um, description of it is really powerful. In Musical U, we actually share this uh, community as a big part of Musical U and helping people help each other. And so we have kind of a shared progress journal system where people begin by, you know, sharing their big picture vision so that everyone knows what it is they're trying to achieve. And that's great because obviously you get the conversation and support and it reminds you every time you go back to that progress journal what it is you're working towards. But if you're not in a community like that, then write it down in your journal, write it down on your computer, write it down, print it out, put it on your the wall of where you practice music. Somewhere that you can just be reminded, where are you headed and why does it matter to you?
0: Great, okay, thanks. I just wanted to clarify that. And w-
1: what do we do next? What's after the big picture five-year plan? So what we've found is that just having that big picture vision immediately brings a lot of clarity to goal setting because a lot of musicians struggle with the sense of obligation. You know, I should do this, I should work on that. And they can end up with a dozen different goals that they feel are all worthy and they should be working on. And the reality is, yes, there are some things in music where you have to just kind of put in the effort and do it because it will help you, even if it's not immediately gratifying. But at the same time, you want to make sure at the heart of everything is what you're truly passionate about. And the big picture vision helps because you can see very clearly okay, is this goal actually moving me towards that five-year vision? Is there something in that vision that I can see this goal is going to help with? So immediately that can really simplify things for people in terms of choosing which goals to work on at any given time. And the next question then would be, what makes a good goal? Because it's good Mm -hmm. to choose a goal and it's good to work towards one. But as you've probably found in your own experience, you can have a very vague goal you can have a very unmotivating goal. You can have a very frustrating or confusing goal. And it really is, again, it's worth spending the time before you plow ahead with planning and training and trying to be consistent. Make sure your goal is defined well to actually help you succeed.
0: Awesome. So when we're, here, here's a question that maybe some people are are asking right now about that. Like, how high should we be reaching you know because i think what a lot of people are afraid to make goals and i know I, I i do this myself sometimes sometimes i'm afraid to make a goal because i'm afraid i'm not gonna actually uh reach the goal i'm not going to attain that goal and so therefore i'm just i'm intimidated to to to, to even make that goal at all but at the same time if i set the bar too low you know it, it's it's almost as like you know where 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 do we place the goal? That's, I guess, the question I want to ask you right now.
1: It's a great question. And Brent, you, as I am, are an entrepreneur as well as a musician. And so I'm sure you face the same thing in your business. And anyone listening, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're a tennis player or you're working a nine to five job, you'll have had to face the same challenge of goal setting and how ambitious to be in every area of your life, I'm sure. And It is that um, double-edged sword where you want to be ambitious because it makes you excited and passionate and you can see the future. But at the same time, that can be frustrating if you fall short or it can be impractical because you can't quite figure out the steps to actually get to that really ambitious goal. So what we found really effective is to separate the two things quite clearly. So your big picture vision is about passion and inspiration and ambition, and that's where you can put down anything. You don't have to be realistic, you don't have to worry about whether you can achieve it or not. That's where you describe this is the perfect outcome. And then we go to the other end of the spectrum, and when we talk about goals at Musical U, we're talking about training goals, so six to eight week milestones, nothing bigger. We're not talking about a one-year goal. We're not talking about the five-year goals. We're just saying for the next six to eight weeks, what am I going to focus on and how is it contributing to that big picture vision that really does inspire me?
0: Okay. So once you have this six to eight-week goal put in place, which I'm uh, tell me if I'm right, I'm assuming that has to do with some element of your five-year goal, your big picture goal, right? So i uh, let, let me think, for example, if a big picture goal of mine is to, like, I want to learn 100 songs, okay, something like that, I want to like yeah. have them memorized, I want to know all of them, would a six to eight week goal look like, what would that look like in that context, learning a couple songs, or, or maybe you have a
1: better example than that you can give me? Sure, so that's a good example, because I would classify that as an in-between goal, you know, your big picture vision would be something more like, in five years' time, I want to be able to take my guitar along to the local blues jam, sit in on any song they're playing, oh, improvise a great solo, not feel nervous, and have everyone look at me afterwards and be like, wow, that guy can really play. You know, that's great. the kind of thing we're describing in a vision. And then your six to eight week training goal, we have a framework at Musical U called the Magic Framework that helps you figure out what a suitable goal is. And um, let's use that 100 songs as an example. I'm sure you've... And people in the audience have probably set that kind of goal before, where you pick a number or you pick a, a syllabus, and you're just like, "I'm going to tick off this box," and that tends not to motivate people. You know, it's not. It may be ambitious, but it's not really connected to what you care about in music. It's we choose that kind of goal because we feel like it will get us to what we actually care about. And so, what you actually want to do is define a goal that meets a certain set of criteria. And you may have come across the idea of smart goals in business where you try and make sure your goals are specific and measurable and action-oriented, realistic, and I think time-based. And that helps you make sure your goal is defined in a way that actually lets you follow through and accomplish it. At Musical.U we use what we call the magic framework, which is just a, a bit more musical. And so with this framework, and this is something anyone listening can use immediately to improve their goal setting, you want to make sure it's musical, attainable, growth-oriented, interesting, and clear. And we can talk a little bit about each of those. Um, yeah, so, please. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> so musical, it sounds like it should be a given, but if we take that example of memorizing 100 songs, that's that's not that musical. It's kind of factual, right? You know, you're memorizing it for the sake of saying, I know 100 songs. And a similar one in our world of musicality training would be, I'm going to learn to recognize intervals. And on the face of it, that sounds like a good goal, right? We all know intervals are important. They can help you. You can kind of see the connection maybe to your big picture vision. But it's it's not in itself a musical task, and that's going to make it quite boring quite quickly. And this, by the way, is probably the major pitfall people face with interval recognition is they do it in an isolated way that is not musical and requires real willpower and discipline to power on through. Um, and what I love about your new course, Brent, is that you are doing it in a very musical context. You're talking about intervals immediately in the context of how it helps you as a jazz musician. So a better example of an intervals goal would be I'm going to learn to play melodies by ear by recognizing intervals. And just giving it that framing transforms how you're going to feel about that goal and how quickly it's going to be useful in your musical life. So the second one with there was attainable. And I think that that's kind of obvious. We want to choose goals we can actually realistically reach. And... That means we're not going to say, you know, I'm going to learn to play by ear perfectly. I'm going to set something like, I'm going to be able to play any three chord pop or rock song by ear. And that is a more realistic goal for a six to eight week timeframe. And you may need some outside help to tell you what's realistic, because when we don't yet know something, it's hard to know what realistic is. But um, the key point there is just that as we've touched on before, your big picture vision is about being super ambitious and passionate and imagining a perfect future. With these training goals for six to eight weeks, we want to pick something that we're realistically going to get to. And um, that's factoring in the fact that things never go perfectly according to plan. (laughs) Never do. They never do. So the, the G in music is growth oriented. And this, I think, is another common stumbling block is we pick a goal that isn't actually stretching us. You know, so for example, if you said... I'm going to um, play my favorite pieces every day this month. That That's kind of good for forming a habit, I guess, but you probably can already play your favorite pieces, right? And playing them every day for a month, it's not really going to stretch you as a musician. And so if you just want to enjoy yourself and have fun in music, by all means, play your favorite pieces every day for a month. But if you actually want to grow and develop your skills and move forwards towards that big picture vision... You might choose something like, I'm going to start learning some new pieces for the audition I'm going to do next month because that's the rock band I really want to join. And so choosing something that's going to stretch you. And of course, as we said, it has to be attainable. You don't want to go too wacky with it. But you do want something that's pushing you a bit beyond your comfort zone. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So then the, the I would be interesting. And again, this seems like it should go without saying, but I know everyone listening, and certainly I have made the mistake of choosing really boring goals. (laughs) And it's Uh like I said before, there's a sense of obligation. You know, we all know we need to practice scales. So we set a goal like, I'm going to be able to play any scale at 120 BPM perfectly. And on day one, that sounds exciting. And on day two, it sounds a little less exciting. And on day 10, you're really bored. So it does need to be interesting. And, you know, with something like Scales... You might say something like, "I'm gonna." you might make it more musical, so I'm going to get my scales up to 120 BPM so that I can use them more fluidly when improvising over jazz standards. Or you might say something like, I'm going to learn my scales, but I'm going to do it with a different 120 BPM backing track every day, and I'm going to also be listening out for the chord progressions. Something that's going to help you keep it interesting, keep it fresh. So then finally, the, the sea of magic would be clear. And again, this is so common we set a goal that's very vague, and it might seem clear because we're stepped we're stood far back from it, and it's exciting and motivating and ambitious. But actually, if we ask, "Am I going to know if I've done that or not?" sometimes the answer is "No, you know it's too vague. we can't say whether or not we've accomplished it, and that makes it really frustrating because you're not really you're not going to have a sense of your progress. So instead of, if we come back to that guy who wants to go to the blues jam and play his guitar, maybe he knows that rhythm is a big problem, so he wants to be able to strum perfectly in time. And instead of just saying, this month or in this eight-week block, I'm going to improve my rhythm, he could say something more specific like, I'm going to tighten up the accuracy of my guitar strumming enough that I feel comfortable sitting in, in a jam session, or that I can play for my friend and he gives me the thumbs up, yes, you're playing in time. So that clarity can really help.
0: I absolutely love the way this this is I'm really loving this right now because I'm loving the way that you're you're doing this. You're looking at goals as something that that actually makes a difference you know that actually it's not just I really appreciated that you that you pointed out that learning a hundred songs is isn't really musical in itself like what is learning those 100 songs can actually do for you and I really pre and, and I really appreciate that you're adding the context to goal setting because if we can get into that that frame of mind that way of thinking it can it can be really powerful right I mean we can we can really actually start to accomplish something here. But if we don't see, uh, if we only look at things as a task, sometimes it can get boring and menial. And, and, you know, I know I, 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 teach courses and things like that. And I know that, you know, regardless of if you set something up in a goal-oriented fashion, that you yourself still as the student and having taken courses myself, you have to put yourself in this frame of mind. You have to put this context. Why am I taking this course? Why am I taking these lessons from this student? Why am I listening to this educational podcast, right? Things like this. How am I going to actually, what am I going to get from it in the end? You know, what is this small task going to, gain me. So I really, and this is golden information here. Can you one more time, just for the audience and for me, go through uh, the magic framework, uh, just letter by letter
1: there? For sure. And, you know, I gave some examples there, but if you want to start making this useful in your own musical life, you can do this immediately, like pause the podcast or do it after the podcast. Just think about your last musical goal, and hopefully you did have one even if it was a while back. But think of an example goal and just ask yourself, for each of these points, did it meet those criteria? And if not, what could you have done differently to make it a more magic goal? So the M is musical. You want some kind of spirit of music about it, something that connects it to what you actually care about in music. You want it to be attainable, and you might need some outside help to tell you what's realistic, but you do want to make sure that you're not picking something that's too ambitious or, you know, much too much in your comfort zone, which leads to the next one, which is growth oriented. You want to choose something that is pushing you a notch beyond and a notch beyond in the right direction and that's where the big picture vision helps you know what you're working towards when you push yourself further to grow. Uh, the eye is interesting, so think in advance about whether this is still going to be an interesting goal to work on in two weeks or two months, and think up front about what you can do to change that goal or um, add to it that's going to keep things interesting for you and finally clear make sure your goal is number one something that you could explain to someone else and they'd be like okay yeah i get what you're working on and number two something where you or someone else at the end of this training plan they're going to be able to point to your skills and say whether or not you've done it or not have you succeeded have you met this goal that's a really great litmus test for whether your goal is actually clear or not
0: and for everybody listening, we're going to have that magic framework in the show notes today. You go to LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash episode eight two, so you can find that there if you'd like to just visually take a look at, look at that. Uh, Christopher, I want to kind of move a little bit more into the practicing side of things. We do have a great guest coming on at the end of this month who's going to talk about practicing a little more, but I want to hear from you because practicing is a huge part of accomplishing your musical goals. So I, I'd love to hear from you when we're trying to attain these goals and let's just imagine someone right now who maybe doesn't have all the time in the world to practice because i mean i know you're a busy guy i'm a busy guy and even though i do music professionally in in one way or another i don't always have the time to practice so how do we organize that side of things so that we can actually implement the things that we set out to do
1: absolutely and the vast majority of people who come to our website, join Musical U, listen to our podcast, they're people who are doing music as a hobby of some kind or making a part-time living. They're not people who have all day, every day to spend with music. And I suppose what we can start with is, what should your target be? And for most musical skills, I think it goes for instrument technique and the musicality skills like playing by ear or um, improvising Really daily practice is best. So sure, it's okay to skip a day. You might schedule five days a week or you might occasionally just have to miss a day. But really you do want that consistency like we talked about before. It makes a huge difference to how the brain learns and how you reinforce what you're learning to do. And generally we found a minimum of 15 minutes a day And that's not very much. A minimum of 15 minutes is enough to maintain your skills and keep you improving a little bit. Generally, the 30 minutes is better. Like that that gives you enough time to consolidate, recap, and move forwards a little bit. And obviously, if you're trying to learn five different things, maybe you have some instrument stuff, you have some play-by-ear stuff, you do need to set aside time for each of those. And obviously, that can quickly add up. And that's one reason we tend to recommend one goal at a time. Just have one thing you're working towards and focused on. Because, yeah, 30 minutes a day is as much as a lot of people can find for music when it's in the evenings and weekends. So the two things we can talk about when asking how should we be spending our practice time or how can we get more out of our practice time are how can we find more time? Like, is there anything we can do to carve out a bit more time for music each day? Mm. And the second is how do we make sure the time we do have and the time we do spend is used in a way that maximizes the results we get? So the first of those is something we've given a lot of thought to at Musical Musical.U just because, as I said, so many of our members, almost all our members are, you know, they're kind of fighting for every music minute they can get. So mm-hmm. one thing to say is just everything we've talked about so far is a huge bonus for you in terms of time, because the, the biggest problem isn't finding enough time, it's wasting your time. And obviously, if you haven't set a goal or you haven't created a plan, there's a real danger that you put in the time, but you're not actually going to be progressing towards your big picture vision or the musician you want to become. So number one thing to say is just do the goal setting and planning like we've been talking about, and that immediately makes sure your time is used more effectively. So there are a couple of things you can do to really increase the amount of time you have for learning music. One is to take advantage of things other than your instrument. So certainly I was taught in a very instrument focused way where music practice time meant I was sat with my guitar or sat at the piano or I had the saxophone in my mouth. And mm-hmm. Brent, as you would know, there's so much you can do to extend yourself as a musician that does not require you to be physically at your instrument. Most certainly, one, yes. one major thing is mobile apps at this point or training MP3s, things you can have on hand on your phone that can extend your skills in a different way. So if we take jazz improv as an example, yes, you need to be practicing with your instrument. You need to be trying to play a solo over a jazz standard, something like that. But as your new ear ear training course points out, you also have a lot of internal work to do that does not require you to be at your instrument. And I love, one thing about your course I love is that you really focus on singing as a way to improve. And okay, you may not want to sing loudly on the bus, but you certainly can (laughs) hum to yourself And you can be doing ear training exercises on the bus, in a queue, on your commute. There's stuff you can do for the inner skills of music that can be fit into your day in a lot of what's otherwise empty time for a lot of people. So, for example, I have a coaching client at Musical U who is really time limited for her music, but she does have a commute each day. And she's been listening to practice MP3s for sulfur note recognition and she's mm-hmm. been singing little sulfur melodies and practicing those pentatonic recognition skills and she's made huge progress because she suddenly found she had an extra hour every day for music it wasn't just the 15 minutes when she was actually sat at her piano at the end of the day
0: right and, and when you act when you actually go ahead and, and take that time to learn outside of your instrument you're preparing yourself for success when you actually finally do get onto your instrument because you're 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 programming your brain to hear already what you want to actually play. The next step is just connecting the dots. Sorry, go ahead,
1: Christopher. Absolutely. And, you know, one elegant thing about this is that particularly for ear training, a little and often works much better than really long practice sessions. So I think we've all probably been there where we're struggling to make time for music. So we finally find time on Sunday and we do four hours and we feel really good, but then we don't do Mm. anything for a week. And actually for these kinds of listening skills in particular it's much more beneficial to do 15 minutes a day than that four-hour session once a week. And that is really great because it's a lot easier to find those little 15-minute blocks. So we like the idea of quick mini-sessions where it's not about I'm going to find an hour every day. It's about, okay, I'm going to have the app on my phone, and any time I have five minutes, I'm going to whip it out and brush up on my skills. And you'd be amazed if you haven't done this before how much progress you can make even just carving out those five-minute mini-sessions. Awesome.
0: That's great advice. And I totally wholeheartedly uh, agree with you on that. Um, I want to thank you so much for just absolutely unloading a ton of value on my audience today. And I personally have gotten so much out of this conversation and learned so much. Um, I want to talk a little bit, switch gears just a tiny bit. I want to talk about your new podcast. It's the Musicality Podcast, right? And I want to hear what it's all about. And
1: um, I, I know a lot of members of my audience will be interested to check this out as well. Thank you, sure. So, the Musicality Podcast just launched a couple of weeks ago. It's a brand new show and it's designed to help people with these inner skills of music. It's about the musicality skills like playing by ear or improvising or singing in tune, getting a good sense of rhythm, maybe writing songs, how to jam with others, all of those things that we, I think a lot of us as musicians, wish we could do and maybe make the mistake of thinking, you know is a gift or a talent and you've either got it or you don't and what we're trying to do with the show is both inspire people by showing that it is possible to learn these skills and also provide a bit of education where we're actually showing people how to go about it so the show is a mix of interviews where we get some of the leading music educators in the world on to talk about their own musical journey and how they learned these inner skills and share their insights and wisdom about how other people can too. And also teaching episodes where we do much shorter episodes focused on a particular topic like playing from a lead sheet or all about perfect pitch or something that maybe people have been wondering about or never really understood fully. And in five to 10 minutes, we try and just break it down and give them the basics so that they know, is that something they want to pursue? And if so, how can they do it?
0: That's super great. So everybody, I want you to go check out uh, Christopher's podcast. Where can they go check that out? What's What's a good link we can send
1: them to? Sure, it's at musicalitypodcast dot com.
0: All right, musicalitypodcast dot com. Again, Christopher, I want to thank you so much for all the value you've brought to today, and um, I really appreciate it. I really uh, hope that we can have you back on the podcast sometime
1: again soon. I would love that, Brent. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Alright, that's all for today's show. I want to thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, another special thanks to our guest, Christopher Sutton, for joining us on the show and giving us all so much value. We really appreciate it. Remember that he has a freebie handout of a series for Just Learn Jazz Standards listeners at musicalitypodcast.com forward slash lj. So be sure to take advantage of that. Remember, if you got any value at today's podcast episode, consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. That helps other people find the show and spread the word. All right, now next week, we're gonna be coming out with a brand new episode 83. I'm looking forward to seeing you back then. Thanks for listening to the LJS podcast brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes. And don't forget to join our jazz community at learnjazzstandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask.